Maul is set. Always back number one. Ball comes loose off the back. Blade gets it, uh, picks it up, and then tries a little kick through. Caelan Blade is in, and he's over the line, and he scored a try. Oh, excellent. Out of nowhere, ball just dropped out on the mall. Blade, quick thinking, down the touchline. Wow, another pick and go for Connick. Good from Boyle. Lovely offload before he's taken the ground to, to Buckley. There's a beautiful kick through from Fitzgerald. Wonderful hands from Connick. Sammy Arnold is in in the corner and he scored. Oh, that's cracking rugby from Connick. And it's a turnover for Connick. Wonderful hands from Tom Daly to pick that up off his shoelaces and move the ball wide to jo- on Porch, who uses that brilliant pace to get away. Pops it back inside to Alex Wooden. And Wooden's got to go all the way in the corner to score a try from inside their own half. Connick have swept across the field. And the brilliance we saw at different points along the way from the back three has shown itself again. Porch, Wooden, fantastic. Connick have the ball. They've been told they've been stopped once. So if it stops again, they absolutely have to use it. Blade is thinking about using it now, but Robertson McCoy has the ball at the back and he wants to keep going. Now Blade takes it out, tries a little kick through. Interesting call. Will it work? Wooden scores! Bonus point try for Connacht! It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast, and that was a nice way to start the podcast. William, listening back to some some of those cracking scores we had at the weekend in Edinburgh. Yeah, that uh, performance has sort of kick-started the season, I think, for Connacht. They beat Glasgow, then they were a bit average and lost quite heavily to Cardiff. So they needed a performance in that game, but to have the performance and the win and the bonus point uh, and to play really well and to still probably leave room for improvement was a very good outcome of that game. And it was, yeah, it was an exciting game. Uh, there was a lot of little errors and stuff in it as well. But Connick just looked better focused in that game than they have done this season so far. Uh, they had a difficult week last week. They had a COVID case in there academy and there was a lot of chopping and changing and players out of position but they seemed to put that from the minute the game started you knew they were they were up for this they should be up for every game but it looked it immediately and yep. they carried it through to the 80th minute and and that's that's how you win games that's how you get bonus points it is indeed and we've got statsman Danny Deegan on the on the call tonight as well and have you got any any good stats from that game apart from the fact we scored five tries How's it going? Yeah, a quick one on those five tries. It's the first time since I've been doing my 22 stats that uh, we've had a 100% record in the opposition 22, for scoring five tries every for the five times we got in there. But um, something really interesting that I saw was that uh, Connacht only had 38% possession and 31% territory over the whole game. So we really, really backed our defence. Connacht made 200 tackles in that game. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so, like, it wasn't just the attack that was so good. It was a defence must have been pretty good as well. I know they're in a few tries, but they, they stopped the bonus point, the, the losing bonus point. William? Yeah, that, that's interesting. Um, and that's where I think there are things to work on. I, I actually think, looking back on it, there probably wasn't a better time to take on Edinburgh. Yeah. Uh, they're on a run of six losses. Amazingly, they've now lost four games in a row at Murrayfield, which mm. I, I wonder if that ever happened to them. And... They didn't look right. They had players away. They lost that semi-final. But it's one thing to know all this and it's another thing to go and do it. Yeah. And they targeted the defence without a doubt. They, something, they, they saw something. Got a little bit more out of Andy in the press conference today to say that they had looked at this. But they still, <laughs> they're very reluctant because, but they obviously had looked and seen something uh, in the games against Munster and maybe games earlier in the season, you know, going way back. 
but they they exploited that and scored some fine tries. They certainly did. And talking at the press conference, William, who else was there with Andy today? Uh, John Porch was there today, uh, our new 15 by the looks of it at the moment, and uh, somebody who's really starting to settle in to the Connacht, uh, to the whole place now, I think. He's, he's becoming a regular fixture at 15. And uh, let's hear what himself and head coach Andy Friend had to say. John, that was a very good performance by Connacht on uh, Sunday night. What, what was the mood in the dressing room afterwards and how have you brought that into this week? Yeah, the mood was very good after after that win in Edinburgh. Um, you know, it's tough to go away to to a place like that and, and get a win like we did. Um, so the mood was high, and we'll definitely be carrying the confidence from that into this weekend. Um, you know, sticking to the sort of similar game plan that we had against them. The way you set out to play, I don't think you ever let Edinburgh settle in this game at all. And they were under so much pressure from your your defence line, the way you attacked, you spread the ball. Uh, was it a coming together of what you'd, you'd been working on maybe for a couple of weeks? Yeah, definitely. That was sort of a similar game plan to Cardiff. And um, we just, we weren't, we didn't step up physically against them like we did against Edinburgh. We, we let them get too comfortable in the game. So um, leading into that week against Edinburgh, we definitely, that was a focus for us, you know, putting body in front against, against the big boys that they had, taking away their jackal threats and, and really not spending too much time with ball in hand in our defensive zones. Putting the pressure back on them in their defensive zones was uh, was a big goal for us, and we sort of stuck to that. Those patches where we drifted away and, and we let them into the game, but when when we did stick to that, we we made them pay, which was which was good. A uh, bit of a change from what we saw last season. You, you you're playing at fifteen. Um, Seems to be going well for you. Enjoying that role. Yeah, de- definitely enjoying my time at 15. Um, you know, a little bit more time with ball in hand, a little bit more space. Different opportunities pop up at 15 than wing. Um, ultimately, I'm just enjoying being in the team, really. But 15 is where I want to sort of set set my position in the team going forward. And I'm really loving my time there at the moment. You seem to have adapted extremely well under the high ball. But I'm just wondering, is that, was that something you had experienced a lot in Australia? Yeah, no, look, uh, back, back home, definitely a lot different to over here. Um, you know, the kicking game's a lot a lot stronger over in the in the Northern Hemisphere to Australia. Um, I did play a little bit of 15 when I was playing club rugby before I got picked up at the Sevens. Um, but once I moved over here to Connacht, it really, and I knew I was playing wing, but also 15 was a goal of mine. Um, I knew high ball stuff was something I'd have to work on a lot. And, you know, the conditions in, in Galway aren't always optimal. So I've had a, a good amount of work under rain and wind here at training um, that sort of put me in good stead leading into last season and now this season moving into 15. Andy, I expect uh, that was a, an easy flight home and probably a really good review yesterday. So things buzzing after that performance. Yeah, it makes life a lot easier, doesn't it, William? Um, we were really pleased with the performance. Uh, we got back to sports ground about quarter to two, and yeah, yesterday was much easier to review that. Uh, but we've we've parked all of that now. We've we've just started our preview of of Benetton for this weekend, and a, another huge opportunity for us on Sunday. You went out with a a different mindset, I think. To the it looked like a different mindset to the Cardiff game that you really wanted to put the pressure on continuously you didn't there was no conservatism in the approach yeah you know we we talk about um failure and and when we when we aren't successful and and the cardiff 
uh, game was definitely that. We weren't successful that night. But we look at the failure of that and we say, as long as we learn from that, and as long as we get the good learns out of it, then, then are we happy with failure? Well, it's bound to happen. Um, but we definitely learned from that. And, and one of the key things we learned from that was our ability to get out of that sea zone and to turn them and to, and to save our fuel. And what I felt uh, and we felt as a group um, Sunday night presented for us was some really smart kicking options from our nines and tens and our centres, um, which conserve fuel. And when we got in the A zone, we had four entries for four tries. Uh, and, and the other thing that it conserved for us was just the energy around defence. And I thought, you know, right up until the 80th minute, we just kept coming off the line because we actually protected ourselves and, and didn't burn the fuel that we, we, we were guilty of burning in that Cardiff game. And even, you know, the Cardiff game, for most of it, we were pretty good. But when we weren't, the four times we weren't, we conceded 21 points. Uh, and it, it was, again, just a really good lesson for the players and for all of us just to have a look at and say, just stick to structure, stick to plan, and we'll be rewarded by it. And that's what happened on Sunday night. Had you identified that um, Edinburgh, well, they certainly looked vulnerable on Sunday night to kick in behind, that their defence, whatever way it was set up, never came to grips with that. Now, obviously, the kicks have to be very accurate. I mean, it's easy to kick in behind and it's it's too far, but it really worked on on Sunday and it it gives you a hell of an attacking option when it when that works yeah yeah again the the um the pre pre-game scouting uh which we all do as 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 coaches but Nigel in particular with that um you know identified that the back three Farndale uh Ronnie Sound and the young bloke playing his first game or second game for for, for Edinburgh uh it was a pretty inexperienced back three uh, and we felt that there would be space there but it's one thing to talk about that it's another thing for the players then to identify that and be able to execute it which they did really well um, but that was certainly an area that you know we got a lot of pay out of and as I said from from a forwards point of view it then allowed them to conserve that energy when they got into that that zone they were very dominant I felt and uh, and then we had the cleverness of the backs to um, you know to put those little kicks in and uh, and to execute which was pleasing. Tom Daly looked pretty confident at 10. His kick-in, his distribution, his decision-making. Um, was, that, that, was that a pleasant surprise or was that something you, you thought could happen if you had to do it? Yeah, we, well, we planned for that. Well, we didn't plan for Fitzy to come off. Uh, and we went, on to the, we went into the game with, um, with, with not a recognised 10 on the bench, knowing full well that if something did happen, um, Tom Daly should be able to... Uh, should be able to cover that for us. So that was the plan that if, if we did, but um, if we did get an injury to Fitzy, that, that Tom would cover it. But we didn't expect uh, that that would happen about 25 minutes in. So, um, but a real accolade there to, to Tom. He has been training well. He, you know, he's had some frustration not being able to get into that starting team when Bundy was back here. Uh, and then Tommy Farrell and, and Sammy Arnold had played very, very well there. But he got his opportunity on Sunday night. Um, and then when he moved into that 10 spot, as you said, the word confidence was, you know, that, that was what, what I saw too. We just saw a, a really confident player who um, backed his skill and, and backed his ability to, uh, to put the ball in the right areas as well as to carry and to, and to pass and to and control the game and defend. So really, really pleased for him and, and I thought it was a great shift from him. Yeah, he's also uh, looks a pretty handy goal kicker. It's, uh, it's always good to have an extra string to your bow when you're trying to get the attention of the coaches, isn't it? 
Yeah, and, the, and he talked about that, you know, at the start of this year. I know, you know, he's, this is his third year with us. He came at the end of my first season, but he, um, you know, he, he hadn't played a lot of rugby and he, he's played more rugby in the last year and a half than he, he played in four seasons up at Leinster. And as he said, he, he's just, he's now just starting to realise um, or find his groove with what he can do. And he said at the front end of the year, he believes his best position is probably 12, but he'd like to be able to play 13. He'd like to be able to play a little bit on the wing if you need it to. And if you need me at 10, then I can do it. And, and it's a little bit like what we lost with Kyle Goblin last year. Uh, you know, KG could do that for us. Um, but, you know, for the reasons which we've explained previously, we didn't re-sign him. We, we brought Sammy Arnold in. And part of that was also then understanding that we had Tom Daly who... Uh, backs himself as, as a player who does have that versatility and we saw that on Sunday night. Is it a big challenge to actually level everybody off now and say, right, that's gone. You have to go and repeat it on Sunday against Benetton who will bring a similar physicality. I don't know how good they are without their international players going forward, uh, but they're certainly big. Um, but mentally, you want to repeat, but you... You can't just keep looking back to this. You you need to say different game. Is that a specific thing that you'll be bringing in during the week? Yeah, it is, and I, I think we've been pretty good in the past at at, um, at just resetting on on day one. So it's Tuesday today, which is our day one. Um, we've parked the previous game, and yeah, you know, sometimes it's a loss, and you've got to you can't carry that forward. So you've got to park it and you've got to get onto the new one. And if you get a good performance like we had on the weekend, again, you've got to park it and you've got to get onto the new game. So I think we're, you know, I don't have any fears that we're going to be going into the Trevizo game thinking, you know, we're pretty handy here. It's just a matter of turning up because that's not what we do here. Um, so I'm comfortable and confident that that won't happen. And uh, yeah, we, we did a, a virtual team review, our first one this morning. Uh, it's the way we've got to work it now. Um, you know, we, we identified the, the really positive areas of the weekend. We identified a few areas where we need to keep fixing it. And, and now all eyes and all focus when we get into today's session will be on what we need to do to, to improve and to beat, uh, beat Benetton on Sunday. Andy, you talking about how Tom Daly had put his hand up at the start of the season at going in at anywhere. From your position, especially also looking maybe at Owen Masterson as well and, and to a lesser degree John Porch, in those scenarios, are you looking for a player to put his hand up uh, to say, look, if you need me to play it in a position I'm not familiar with, I can do it? Or do you, as a coach, look at what the player is doing and say, do you know what? You could do a, you could do a job in this position. So who, who in, in that sort of scenario, who initiates the dynamic about moving a player to an unfamiliar position? Yeah, good question, Dave. It does depend upon the player and the situation. So... Um, I think you take it as red, mate, that players just want to play. Uh, so if, if, if there's a position that they're playing where there's somebody else who's out playing them, um, they'd certainly they'd jump at most, would jump at the opportunity to jump, on some, jump in somewhere else. So that's sort of a, a given. But there are certain players too who um, may not back themselves as much out of position because it becomes uncomfortable. You know, you, you, you take Owen Marston. I, I thought Owen had a fantastic game on Sunday. Um, and in fact, I think that's the best he's played all year. Now, does that mean he's, he's more suited to second row than back row? Probably not, but it just means that 
when his opportunity came, he actually took it and did really, really well. Johnny Porch, the same. We saw him last year as a, as a winger. He's moved into that fullback position and, and he looks very, very comfortable there. But I also know if you put Porch at outside centre, he'd probably go pretty well. So um, it's a combination of both. It is, you know, where I think the way the game is going, it, it's uh, you just need footballers on the park. There are certain positions that are very specialised. You hook it, you know, your props... Um, your nines, uh, tens, but 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 the rest of it, apart from set piece, um, it really now when you look at the game, it doesn't really matter what jersey you're wearing. You just need certain body types and certain certain attributes that will add value to the team. So, um, and we saw that on the weekend. We went into the game, as you know, with with a back row playing in the lock position. We had a wing a centre playing on the, in the wing position. And when we came on, we had a centre going to the 10 position. Uh, we had another back rower, Ken Prendergast, when he came on, you know, a young academy boy. He's, he's really a six. He's not really a lock, but we put him into the lock position. So there's mix and matching going on all the time. But at the end of the day, if they're good footballers, they'll survive that. And, and that's what we saw on Sunday night. Um, uh, just a quick question. You mentioned Keane Brandegast and Owen, of course, being sixes. Have there been any progression regarding getting another lock-in? Uh, I know that other provinces have been able to bring temporary players in. Have you had any success in that? Yeah, we're, we're, we're working with the RFU at the minute and hopefully we're going to have something uh, to announce on Thursday. Okay, so a, a yeah, yeah. couple of things that, that people might pick out of that. Today we're, we're getting a new second row as our cover. We don't know exactly who it is, but we don't think it's a big name, is it, William? No, I don't think so. I think the general consensus is it won't be somebody from overseas. It has to be somebody from within the island. Um, and it'll be announced on Thursday. It's another body. They badly need one. We we don't know uh, the Quinn Roo situation because he's with Ireland. Mm. Uh, but we were told at the end of last week that he didn't make the substitutes bench for the Italy game because he had picked up a knock in training. That could be very minor. Yeah. Uh, but it, if, it isn't, if it isn't, then you've got three locks missing and and, and that, uh, by the looks of it Tiernan O'Halloran as well yes um, it's tough I suppose for him at the moment he's lost his 15 position but uh, and he sort of inferred there in the press conference um, maybe not on the audio we have that um, he's, he's going to be out for a while they need Stephen Fitzgerald back now they need some cover back there uh, Connor Fitzgerald is uh groin injury we don't know where he is Sammy Arnold as well on a HIA from the weekend so they'll be mixing and matching again it's it's it's, it's all part of it it's all about adaptability uh, in these COVID times isn't it it's all about adaptability yeah it is and look Tom Daly went into into 10 and had a very very good game and I've argued this on podcasts in the past if you can kick the ball between the sticks keep doing it and keep saying to the coach I have another talent here coach mm-hmm. Because if you're a if you're a guy that's been you know a marginal pick, yeah. When I remember old time rugby, your fullback could could kick the ball. Yeah. Uh, I famously remember Stuart McKinney, who was a number seven for Ireland, kicking mm. conversions, uh, kicking. Look, look at look at one of the best kickers of all Africa. time. Prob- probably the last kicker to wear a headband while kicking a goal was John Eales, second row, yeah. Australia, second row. Um, so it's a funny thing now that it's it's there is a designated kicker and it's generally the out half. If you've got another player on the field who can take over, if he's having a bad day mm. or whatever. So Tom Daly, another player just starting, I think, to be we're beginning to see now what 
the coaches have said for a while that they've seen in him. Yeah. Uh, and he did a fine job and he was helped by the fact that the player of the match, and I've watched the game again, uh, Caelan Blade had a magnificent game. So that's an opportunity. He is going to be starting on Sunday. It's a home game against a big old awkward Benetton team. It's an opportunity for him to get up to the same sort of things he was getting up to in that game. I'm going to jump in there as well. Um, because uh, Kaelin has a, a chance to catch up on uh, a, a current player and a former player, uh, Matt Healy and Tom McCartney, who have scored five tries against Treviso. Uh, Kaelin has four, so he'll be looking to hopefully jump in there again and score score another try and get in uh, getting up with those two guys. Yeah, yeah, that'd be that'd be good. And and there there's a name that we haven't mentioned much this season at all is Matt Healy. I'm looking back at our list of injured players. He was due back last week, as far as we were told, um, but didn't appear. Maybe we'll see him this week. Yeah, maybe maybe we will. Peter Sullivan also took a knock, so that's why you had Sam Arnold went out to the wing. So I suppose we're used to it, but it's just uh, with with the players away on international duty, it's a bit more of a challenge. So before before we go into a um, you know a bit more of a preview, you went and managed to get some really good audio from the the Benetton coach, didn't you? Yeah, Kieran Crowley had a chat with me this afternoon uh, after training uh, in Treviso, and um, let's listen to what he had to say and pay particular attention to how they are travelling to play this game on Sunday. Kieran Benetton travelling to the west of Ireland to play Connacht next Sunday. Um, how is it shaping up for you? Yeah, it's um, you know shaping up well. I mean, it's um, you know we're just like any other team. You know, you you plan the weekend and then you review and then you prepare for your next one. And it's uh, yeah, it's conic for us. So um, we've uh, trained well um, today and that, and so you know hopefully we can keep uh, building on that. And uh, by the time we get to Sunday, you know we've got everything in place to uh, give conic a good game. Uh, are you missing many players in the Italian squad? Yeah, we've got 13 away at the moment with them. So, you know, 13 plus, you know, you usually have 5 to 10% injuries. So, you know, you had another, um, oh, I think about 7 or 8 onto that. So it's a quite a number. But, you know, it is what it is. It's, we have this challenge every time this time of the year. Um, just this year, you know, it's for a lot more games than usual. But it's a challenge, but it gives other players opportunity. And, you know, we know what it's going to be like before we get into it. And, um, you know, we just got to prepare accordingly. And how are you How are you travelling over? Obviously, we're in the midst of this pandemic. Um, so which everything is just different. Um, so what are your travel plans? How do you actually cope with that? All games, we are flying on the day of a match. So we'll leave here at 7 o'clock in the morning. Um, we fly straight to Knock. Um, uh, uh, because uh, um, that's the closest airport that takes the plane. Um, so we arrive at Knock. Uh, we go two hour or hour and a half, whatever the bus trip is, into into town. Um, and we should get there hopefully. Hopefully we get there you know, around lunchtime. Um, so then yeah, we'll have something to eat and a um, bit of an activation, and then we're straight into the game. And then we um, get straight on the bus uh, back to Knock and fly back out, and we get home. I think it's. I think we're pencil to get home at 5am on uh, Monday morning, I think. So it's uh, it's all all done, you know, in uh, just over, or, you know, under 24 hours. So, yeah, it's, it is what it is. And, um, you know, you got to embrace it and uh, go with it and uh, prepare the best you can. Looking at the games so far, um, 
There have been three very decent performances by Benetton. I mean, the 35-24 loss in Belfast, home game to Leinster, 12-point gap. But last weekend, I watched all of that game against uh, the Scarlets. I'd say there was a certain amount of frustration there, maybe, with chances that slipped away. And you had a you had some good pressure at times in that game, especially as it was a home game. Oh, massive uh, frustration. Um, if you uh, gave out winning performances on stats, you know, we were ahead in everything except on the scoreboard. Um, so lots of, lots of frustration. And you're dead right, you know, we had uh, opportunities we didn't take. You know, I mean, um, Scarlett's only gone out 22 twice and they scored one try and that was from the one that came from outside the 22. So, I mean, there's lots of good performances, but we've got to learn to nail all those ones. I mean, we had the same situations in Ulster, we had the same against Leinster, so... It's about nailing those situations, um, which we are just not quite doing at the moment. Well, we look forward to welcoming you you and Benetton to the sports ground on Sunday afternoon. Hopefully the weather's a bit better than it is here now because it's freezing cold and the wind and rain are howling. And thank you very much for talking to us. Yeah, not a problem. I mean, yeah, we're looking forward to it and uh, hopefully uh, we can... uh you know, we can turn on a good, you know, the day's good and we can turn on a good performance, you know, and, and both teams get, you know, get, uh, get to play some uh, good rugby. Yeah, that's a, that's a heck of a trip, isn't it? And Connacht are going to have to do something similar on the way, the way back there in a few weeks' time. Yeah, they go back to Zebra, so I suppose uh, there, there, is an, <laughs> there is an airport in Parma. We just never managed to fly into it because nobody <laughs> flies into the airport in Parma, which <laughs> has always been a bit of a, a, bit of a nuisance. The swings and roundabouts are, they're all hiring planes at the moment and doing this. I'm not sure how long that can be done economically, but then if there's no commercial planes flying, what, what option do they have? And, uh, and what option do someone like Ryanair have but to, to give it to them at a reasonable price? Because otherwise their planes are sitting on the ground doing nothing. I'm a little puzzled why they're flying to Knock. No offence to Knock, because I would have thought Shannon, but they're flying to Knock. I think they'll come and they'll give a very good account of themselves. It's actually a perfect time to, to have this game then because the last three home games we've had against Treviso, we've got uh, tri-bonuses and Treviso have never scored a tri-bonus against us, whether that's home or away. Yeah, that's an interesting one because they, they, they were actually quite impressive uh, against the Scarlets in a pretty dreadful game of rugby. Played in, well, it kicked off a quarter past nine at night, which I don't think helps anybody. Uh, there was a crowd there, which was, was nice to see. The fog came in, uh, but they blew it. They should have beaten the Scarlets. They really did blow it. They, the amount of field position they had, their decision-making went, went, to, went to pot completely. Uh, so Connacht need to be a lot more, just need to be ruthless. Uh, they're at home. They should be buoyed up from, they must be, from beating Edinburgh. Although they'll park it. They, they talked about that today. That that's last week. Next, this is next week. Uh, they still have to be beaten. They're a big, they're a big side. That, but I actually think they're a bit ponderous as well. So that that's one of the keys I think for Connacht is that's why the likes of Caelan Blade uh, and I can see uh, Tom Farrell maybe getting space and really being able to exploit it. Okay, as we come to the end of the the podcast, we're doing one of those little time warp things. This is now Wednesday. We normally record our podcast on Tuesday evenings after the press conference on a Tuesday but of course the Champions Cup draw happened today so we're recording this on Wednesday to drop it in the podcast just before William reads out the fixtures for the coming weekend but anyway the Champions Cup draw William looks like it's a dream draw 
Yeah, I suppose it is. I mean, uh, once we knew that we could get Bristol, there must have been a hope that we would definitely get Bristol. And uh, we have done, which means Pat Lamb, John Muldoon, uh, Conor McPhillips, Niadia Loken, Jake Heenan, uh, all involved with the famous day in 2016. And all now playing their trade as coaches and players at Bristol are heading back to the sports ground. Uh, Bristol have had a phenomenally good season. Uh, got to the semi-finals of the English Premiership. Didn't do well in the semi. Let themselves down a bit, I think. But turned around the following Friday night and won the European Challenge Cup. A uh, bit of a dynasty starting to be built there, I think. Uh, Bristol, when I was a, a kid, a long time ago, were a very serious rugby team back in the early 70s. It's a big rugby city. They've struggled uh, they're getting a lot of money. Michael Lansdowne has pumped in a lot of money. And they've set up a scenario where they're starting to look a serious player in English rugby. And of course, you've got Bath, who we might have drawn, and you've got Gloucester and Exeter. You've got this little area in the southwest, Exeter, a little bit away from them. But um, they've got a, a very, very good side. And There'll be a real hoopla around that. And the saddest thing is, look, realistically, there isn't going to be any fans at this game. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and that's, nobody, that's, nobody getting to Bristol. And, and, and of course, the stadium that everyone, Connacht fan, wants to get to, <laughs> and Paris, where Connacht have never played a competitive game, would have been amazing to get to Racing 92 Stadium. Yeah, it's a phenomenal stadium. Um, going to be used for uh, gymnastics, I think, at the 2024 Olympics. Uh, state of the art, looks like something that was dropped in from outer space, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. A great Irish interest there as well, Simon Zebo, Donica Ryan, lost in the mm-hmm. final of the uh, Champions Cup this, this season to Exeter. So it's not exactly an easy draw. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not, not it's, an easy draw, but it's it's one of those draws that had fans been able to travel, it would have been you couldn't have picked two better places to go and, and get get more you know, oh. talk about getting publicity. Wow. Well, that that's that that's the thing. Um there may potentially be an opportunity for spectators. We don't know. Matches will be played around the weekends of the twelfth and nineteenth of December and the sixteenth and twenty third of January. It's we just don't know where we're going to be with fans at that stage, either in Ireland or England or France. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's, there's, you know, because of the weirdness of this draw, because it's, there's only two pools and there's, I don't know how many teams in each pool. Uh, there's two pools of 12 in the Champions Cup. If you finish in the top four in a pool, you go into a double-legged quarter-final of the Champions Cup. So there's eight teams going into the quarter-finals. If you finish in the next four positions, that would be positions five to eight in the pool, it'll all be worked out over four games. You will go into the round of 16 in the Challenge Cup. The Challenge Cup are short of teams because there's 24 teams in this year's Champions Cup. And if you finish in positions nine to 12 in your group, uh, in your pool, then uh, you won't be going anywhere because you're going to be eliminated. So the idea, I think, behind that is that there's still something to play for. Uh, realistically, 
even if, if you win one game and drew a game, you still have a chance of progressing in Europe. And that's what they wanted to avoid sides losing interest in this. Uh, it's, all, it's all because of COVID. The, the, this, is, this is the plan they came up with to keep uh, EPCR running for this season. And it is a bit tricky. If you want to get a fuller explanation, maybe go onto the EPCR website. There is a video mm-hmm. uh, and it explains how the tiers work in terms of uh, Connacht were a tier three side. So they finish up playing tier two sides and then tier one plays tier four. And you can't be drawn against a team from your own competition. So Connacht couldn't in the group stage play a top four, a pro 14 side, so they get a top 14 side and an English Premiership side. Have I made that clear? Do you understand it? I, I, uh, I, I, I'm slowly getting there. The other thing I'm, I'm noticing about this, looking at Pool B, because we're in Pool B, as we are in the Pro 14, is um, Ulster and Munster in Pool B, but we're never, we're never going to take them on, yet we're competing against them, which is even a bit more weird for me now. I'm not sure I can deal with that. But so I'll tell you what, let's let's leave it there. We can bring it back when, when the rounds come around. We can we can talk about it again in December when the, the first round comes up. Um, I think we've given enough information there to keep people ticking over. Um, let's finish off the pod by hearing what the results are from last weekend and the fixtures for this coming weekend. Results from round three of the Pro 14 from Friday the 23rd of October Leinster 63 Zebra 8 Benetton 3 Scarlets 10 Saturday October the 24th Ospreys 23 Glasgow Warriors 15 Sunday evening October the 25th Ulster 40 Dragons 17 Edinburgh 26 Connacht 37 and then on Monday, the 26th of October, the first of the Monday night matches, Munster 38, Cardiff Blues 27. Round four of the Pro 14 is condensed into two days next weekend. On Sunday, the 1st of November, three matches, Dragons versus Munster, 2pm, Connacht versus Benetton, 4.30pm. Scarlets versus Edinburgh at 6.45pm. And then on Monday, November the 2nd, is a triple header of games. Cardiff Blues versus Ulster at 6pm. Zebra versus Ospreys at 7.15pm. And the Glasgow Warriors versus Leinster at 8.15pm. Loose, cut it loose. Break out or nothing changes side.